You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey, George Bremer alongside you yet again. A special treat for you Colts fans. We will have rookie wide receiver Alec Pierce stopping by the show. And George, I know the the season hasn't started yet, right? With regular season just about a week away or so now uh, in Houston. But I think it's safe to say Alec Pierce being the first guest of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. I think you can only already check off a successful rookie year for the uh, former Cincinnati Bearcat. Yeah, I mean, right there, right? His, his his rookie year now has has been complete. Everything from here on out is just icing on the cake. Super Bowl ring, rookie of the year, you know, all pro honors. That is all secondary to first guest on the Blue Horseshoe podcast. That is for sure. So Alec Pierce, come up shortly. Very excited for that conversation. Kind of get you ready for week number one, but also kind of take you behind the scenes, see what he's been doing, see how his transition has been from Cincinnati to the Colts. But George, big news coming out of Indy on Thursday, and that is Shaquille Leonard revealing that really for the first time in his NFL career, he's actually healthy and feels 100%. How is that possible? I, it's it's insane. Is it, well, he's not quite at 100% yet. That By the time okay. he gets out on I the apologize. field, he will be. Um, so it's, it's semantics there because by the time he's on the field, he'll be 100%. Uh, he's still working towards that goal right now. But he, he, he had it right off the top of his head, which is always impressive to begin with. Somebody asked him today or Thursday during the uh, press conference, when was the last time you played without pain? And he said week four of 2018. That's when he initially injured his ankle ankle against the Houston Texans. And since then, there's been some level of injury the, the whole way out. You're talking about a guy, a three-time All-Pro, a three-time Pro Bowler. Uh, it, it's really incredible to think, you know, he, he's had to yeah. learn to play hurt, uh, you know, on some level or another. And uh it's incredible to even to, to try to wrap your mind around that uh, and, and to think about what he might be this year, not dealing with those things. It's, it's almost scary. Cause like you just mentioned, you mentioned his accolades and how dominant he has been. He has been one of the best players in football. And the fact that he revealed on Thursday that really, you know, he hasn't played play, uh, pain-free at really any point in his career outside of the first few games of, of his career back in 2018 it's like your just mind goes, so how much better can this guy be? I mean, are we looking at a guy who's, you know, could have a career? Despite the, it's crazy. Going to year five, th- again, three-time All-Pro, we could be sitting here saying he could have the best year of his career to date. That is great. Great news for Colts fans and especially Gus Bradley in that Colts defense. 
Yeah, you know, and he's switching to positions. But uh, I think there was some clarity on that today, too, that was interesting because, you know, the name of the position has changed. He's playing Mike instead of Will. Uh, but his duties are very similar to what they were in Matt Eberflus' scheme. We've talked a, a few times about this scheme kind of being a cousin to that scheme. And so a lot of things translate, uh, but some things are a little different. That's one of those areas, I think, where it's a little different. His What he's being asked to do right now is more similar to what he's done you know, in the wheel position in the old defense. So I think that's kind of a, a technicality as well. But it'll be interesting to see just, just how that changes to any extent. You know, once he gets out there, the big question now with him is when will he be on the field? You know, will it be week one? Uh, will it be week four? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, we've been debating that now for a few weeks. I don't think there's a lot more clarity on that. Uh, obviously, you know, Chris Ballard said Wednesday when he got on the field for the first time, it was like the first day of spring for him, like the very first day the team reports for OTAs. Um, so you think about that. There's a lot of work to be done, but at the same time, the team put out a clip that same day of him making an interception in, in camp. So, um, you know, he's Shaq Leonard. I think we, we've learned anything over his career. It's don't count him out. It's truly incredible. I know this has been a big discussion Tuesday, right? He was officially activated off pup. I'll be honest, George, Wednesday, when I saw the picture of the Colts tweeted out of him in full uniform on the practice field, I'm like, where did this come from? I couldn't believe it. I still thought it'd be, you know, slowly kind of weaning him on. You were at practice on Wednesday. How do you look? Like, I know it's, you know, it's one practice first day back, but how do you look at least from a health wise and, and you know, uh, sprint wise? Yeah. Unfortunately we only get like the first 20 minutes right now. So you, you don't really get a good view of, of, you know, the whole picture, but I was surprising to me that he was out there and he was doing drills. You know, we were kind of watching him as soon as stretching was done. Like, okay, what's he actually going to do? You know, where's he going to go? And he sat out one drill they did early. That was sort of like a, a light contact drill. They were kind of like practicing tackling each other. Uh, and that makes sense. I don't think you want him doing that on day one. No. Uh, but after that, he seemed like he was a full participant until we went in. You know, I don't know what he did obviously after we left, but, and, and he didn't seem, hesitant i guess is the best word there it, it didn't seem like he was uh getting up to speed with anything and he's a guy who's been working a lot outside of practice it's not like he's been sitting around for three and a half months just you know watching tv and, and waiting for this moment he's he's been working a lot he said that he spent a lot of that time it was actually good for him in some ways because he spent a lot of that time studying the colts offense and just trying to learn why they do certain things, you know, maybe getting a little bit more insight into what opponents are going to do to him this year. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you take him at his word, uh, which is usually the best, best policy, he's going to be better physically than he's ever been. He's going to be better mentally than he's ever been. And again, you know, when, when does that show start? Is it week one in Houston? Uh, is it week three at home against Kansas city? Uh, but I think it's going to be worth the wait. As you sit here uh, on Friday morning, George, we are nine days away from the season opener. I still think, even though he's at practice on Wednesday and, you know, he sounds like he is, you know, really progressing well. And even before the Buccaneers game on Saturday last week, uh, there was a clip, I believe, by NFL NFL Network that was put out of him pregame working out. He's looking good. Like he's making cuts, even though he's just in shorts. He still looks healthy and is not, you know, there's no uh, noticeable limp like there was for basically the majority of the 2021 season. Well, even with that said, the last time he put on shoulder pads, right, was week 18 in Jacksonville. He has missed everything so far up to this point outside of Wednesday. 
I still think Georgia, it's too close of a call, whether it's 10 or 11 days of practice before week number one. Um, I don't think that's enough time to kind of get a fully acclimated. And again, if he is saying that he believes this year he's going to be fully healthy for the first time in really his entire now five-year career, I want to make sure uh, and take an extra week or two to ensure that he's not going to be rushed back to make sure that he will be 100% for as long as you physically could possibly be this year. I would take it easy and still cross out week number one as a possibility. How about yourself, George? Yeah, I think I'd sacrifice the first two weeks, honestly. Two weeks. I mean, I like if it. you know that you're going to get the best version of, 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 of Shaquille Leonard yet, then, you know, why not? Don't rush him in any way. I mean, I think that's that's a key thing. If he's ready, it's one thing, you know, and he's going to know that as well as anyone. Um, I think that's one thing that was good from from his talk with the media on Thursday. You know, he seemed like a guy, obviously, he wants to play. We all know he's not a patient man. He wants to get out there as soon as he can. But he seemed to have a good perspective on the idea of, like, he's not going to push it. He's not going to force it. I think he's done that to some extent for three years. So he, he understands, you know, putting that behind him is, is first and foremost. And Obviously, that's going to be what the doctors and the trainers have in mind and what the coaches have in mind. And to me, if it if it takes two weeks to get it done, I would not have a problem with that. You know, we, we've been talking all along. If he's out there week three at home against Kansas city. I think that's fine. Absolutely. I'm with you, right? That should be really the target date for opening week for him. Week three against the chiefs or week four, that huge game, Tennessee comes to town. Those are the games that actually mean something, right? We, we know the Colts struggles on opening games of the season and in Jacksonville. Those are the first two weeks where you got to try to, you know, exercise the demons per se. But again, the Colts are a very good team. If you are a good team, you don't need, even though he's a great player, you'll need your all-pro linebacker on the field in order to win those two games. I'm with, I would take it easy, ensure him, and make sure week three, especially when uh, still, even without Tyree Kill, a high-potent Chiefs offense comes to town. He is full bore, 100% ready to go, and ready to be flying all over the field. If he is 100%, right, and he claims he will be, so take him at his word that he'll be the healthiest he's been in his career. Who do you think that helps more? Is it the defensive line and the pass rush that his presence is going to be there? Or is it more kind of the secondary? Because he's been also super athletic. He's great in coverage as well. Which side of the ball do you think, or which area of the defense, think his health, his full health, will benefit more this season? I mean, I think if you look at his history and you look at, at what he's done, even on one bad wheel, I, I think the run game, you know, we've been talking about the run defense every week so far. You know, it hasn't looked where it needs to be. Uh, this scheme doesn't put as much emphasis on it as, as there has been in the past. And you just wonder, you know, when you go against like a Derrick Henry, is this going to be something that really comes out and, and, and bites you? Uh, I think that's where he's going to have the biggest impact. I, I just feel like him being able to run sideline to sideline. And, you know, this defense is is designed. I mean, I think Nate Ollie has said it a couple times now. The whole design of this defense is for that front four to just create havoc. And then the linebackers clean it up. And if you've got, you know, Okereke and what he can do in that regard, and if you've got a fully healthy Shaq Leonard beside him running around making plays, I just think it makes the run defense that much more solid. It's going to help the defense as a whole, obviously, but I think the biggest impact comes in the area that right now is probably the biggest concern. 100%. And I would agree with you too. And one area he helps right outside, just plugging holes and kind of shooting through the gaps. Like you said, if that defense line does create havoc, you would think there's not, there won't be as many broken runs made uh, for running backs. So he should be able to, you know, he's a short tackler and should be able to fill those gaps. But another thing he brings too that helps, especially the run defense, is the ability to punch the ball out. 
You know, it's almost like, you know, Peanut Tillman had, had the peanut punch. We got to figure out something for Darius Leonard or, or Shaquille Leonard, I should say, um, to get sort of, you know, a, a branded nickname for that. But he is the best guy in the NFL right now, punching that football out, getting it loose. And that's, again, when we look at this Colts defense, right, it's a lot of bend but don't break, kind of keep everything in front of you. Maybe they'll be more aggressive this year on Gus Bradley, but for the most part, the way the roster is built, it is a lot of, hey, we're going to let you get inside the 20s, but once we get inside the 20, shut down the red zone, hold you to field goals. Well, a big you know boost for that defense is going to be forcing turnovers. There are a lot of ball hawks in the secondary and have a ball hawk in that middle level linebacker, Darius Leonard, as we know, one of the best to punch it out and truly can change the game. A, a quick turnover, one or two, um, is a is a massive break for this defense. That's also going to help the run game as well because you think you know you hold them up, you can get someone, one of the first guys on the defensive line, DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, just to kind of make the first contact on a running back. You can have Darius fly in there and start throwing those punches around, trying to hit the ball. Yeah, and it's incredible what he did in that regard last year. I mean, we know what kind of pain he was in. Watch Hard Knocks, you know, and, and especially a couple times late in the year there, and he. You didn't think he was going to get up. I think it was the Raiders game. It might have been even earlier than that. He went down in the red zone, and all of us in the press box were thinking, okay, this is finally it. He's finally broken because he knew what he was going through the whole year. Stayed in there. He kept playing. Turned the ball over at, at a really prolific rate, and that, to me, was impressive. I think in many ways last year was the most impressive year he had as, as a pro just because of what he was dealing with and, and to be able to have that impact in, in the takeaway game that he did – uh, he knew that, look, I'm not going to have the, the tackle numbers that I've had in the, in the past. I'm not going to be able to make a play on the, in the passing game the way maybe I have in the past. I'm not going to be able to pressure quarterbacks maybe the way I am in the past. The one thing I can still do is when I do get my hands on somebody, punch that ball out, and he was doing it I, just an incredible rate a year ago. Now you think if he keeps that mentality as a healthy player, you know, what's possible? Right. I mean, if he's around the ball as much as he was last year on what was one wheel, essentially, Benjamin fully healthy now flying around. I mean, he's going to, he might break the tackles record. I mean, this guy's going to be in every pile. He's going to be around the ball every single play. It is going to be so much fun to watch. And it's a great, great sign to hear that after a lot of really unknown this offseason, right? There wasn't many updates given on Shaq Leonard. We saw him at training camp every single day, but he was obviously, you know, on the pup list, not in, pa uh, not in pads, not, you know, not practicing. Now we're finally starting to get some, some hints and some inkling of what he is going to be physically. And it is so far a great, great sign for Colts fans, and especially that, that defense. I'm sure Gus Bradley right now is on cloud nine here in Shaquille Leonard talk the way he is about his health. When we return, George, on the Blue Horseshoe podcast, Alec Pierce, rookie wide receiver for the Colts, going to take us so far through how his training camp has been. And Matt Ryan, how he has kind of helped his adjustment so far in the NFL. Our chat with Alec Pierce is next. Colts fans, do we have a treat for you? Alec Pierce, the hey, first up, player taken. Appreciate you making us a few minutes here. 53rd overall in the NFL draft. But also, Alec, even more important than maybe being the first draft pick in the 2022 uh, Colt selection is that you are the first uh, guest on the Blue Horseshoe podcast. So yeah. congratulations. Welcome on in. And I think it's safe to say before your rookie year even officially starts, I think we can already consider it a success. Um. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, first and foremost. Um, you know, I'm ready for the season to get started and, you know, get get right to it. 
So before we get to the regular season coming up, right, training camp just finished, your first training camp in the NFL, all three preseason games have come and gone. Looking back now from the time you were taken in the second round up until, you know, right now, just about a week before the season starts, what was the toughest part of, of training camp that you had to go through that you really weren't expecting it, let's say, to be as tough as it was? Um, probably learning the playbook just, like, mentally. It's a lot. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's hard when you're out there trying to, like, think too much, you know, thinking about where I got to line up. Uh, what route do I got to run? Like, who do I got to block on this play? It just kind of makes it a little tougher to play football and actually, you know, play free and fast. Um, so just like that mental aspect and just really kind of nailing down the playbook. And, you know, it's still in progress. I still would like to be more confident with it. But that is kind of what's kind of the most difficult part, I think. How comfortable are you right now at the playbook and kind of your feeling in this offense? Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable. You know, we, we've re- we've got a million reps at camp. You know, that's what camp's for. So. I'm feeling pretty comfortable and ready to go. One guy that is going to be throwing you targets down this season is Matt Ryan. He's also a newbie as well, but obviously him being in the league uh, a long time, very experienced veteran. How has his you know, experience uh, and leadership throughout the NFL, even though it's his first year in Indy, how has that kind of helped your experience so far in these first few months in the NFL? Oh, it helps a lot. You know, just him as a leader, being able to um, kind of like walk you through things and like he knows what he wants. He knows what's going to work in this league. So he's able to kind of give you tips and uh, – you know, tell us how he wants us to run routes and like where it's going to be open and whatnot. So it's really uh, helpful being able to learn from him. One of the biggest storylines, Alec, of training camp so far this year for the Colts has been the inexperience at wide receiver, right? You have Michael Pittman Jr. And then kind of a lot of guys who haven't played you yourself being a rookie inexperienced first year in the league with everyone kind of almost on the same learning curve, almost same page. Have you guys been able to help each other and almost maybe, you know, make that uh, make that journey together a little bit easier since a lot of you guys are on the same page? Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, and we got a guy um, with uh, Coach Reggie Wayne, you know, like the guy that we're able to like lean on and he's got that experience for us. And then, you know, Pitts played, you know, two years at a high level. So he's a guy that has a lot of tips. And um, even, you know, Paris has been been out here for a while. Ash and they, they've been on the team. They've been they've been doing it. They might not have as many uh, reps as Pitt might have, but, you know, they're they've been around so they kind of understand the game the NFL and like what works and what doesn't so Reggie Wayne legendary receiver for the for the Colts there's a poster right over your shoulder there as well how's he had been so far as a, a wide receiver coach up in your transition uh to the team oh he's he's awesome he's great you know just a tremendous uh teacher uh great leader you know someone that teaches uh like really really on the details of fundamentals you know just wants us to be good in that uh, fine-tuning our routes and just trying to make them as precise as possible so we can get the most separation make the job easier for the quarterbacks. It's a big jump going from college to the NFL and now going from Cincinnati to the Colts. What has been kind of the, the biggest challenge so far going from the college game to the NFL? Uh, like I said earlier, I'd say the playbook. You know, it's it's a lot more, um, a lot more detailed, especially like, you know, I, I feel like in college you ran a few routes here there, they, we run those routes I ran in college, but then there's like a million different like routes, and they, they they feel like they're very similar, but they just have slightly different details on them. So it's it's a much more detailed game, you know. It, it's it's the pros, and everything's just down comes down to inches. So you got to be able to, you know, just get open just enough where the quarterback can hit you and make a big catch. 
Interesting you say learning the playbook is the toughest part because you are someone, a mechanical ma- uh, engineering major, right, if I'm correct, at, at Cincinnati, and mm. also did that, uh, graduated in three and a half years, which is a, a five-year program. So studying, learning is something that you do really, really damn well, maybe even being you know, smarter uh, and kind of academic-wise, even being a football player. What is what is tougher so far in your experience? Has it been those mechanical engineering classes at Cincinnati, or has it been learning this Colts playbook? Uh, I'd probably say I'd probably say college the, the engineering classes. I mean, some of those classes you get into are. are really I can imagine like you can, you can study as much as you want, and you're still not gonna. This this is just a lot of verbiage. This is just a lot of like words. You know, it's almost like I compare the, the learning the playbook to like learning a language. Basically, you know, it, it's a lot of words, and you kind of gotta associate them with things you know in the past and routes you know. So it it takes a while, but once you get it, like you basically just become fluid in it, and you're fluent in it. And then you just can like line up and, and play like easy. Cincinnati, tremendous year last year, making the college football play, making history, being the first group of five team to break into that four team playoff. Being you know, you know, out of program, especially led by Luke Fickle, who has a lot of NFL, you know, ready guys, puts a lot of guys in the NFL. And especially on that team last year, we saw, you know, a lot of your teammates get drafted high in the draft. How did that help your experience kind of going from college to NFL? Like, what was that like practicing against guys every day? Like a guy like Sauce Gardner, who we saw go number four overall uh, to the Jets in that same draft. No, for sure. I mean, I, every day I was going out and practice and like, you know, the competition was NFL level competition, especially for me at, at wide receiver. You know, I, all the corners I go against were NFL guys. So um, it just makes you better because, you know, like really in college, like it's not about the game. It's about practice and, and in the NFL too, like you're not getting better in the game. You're just going out there and showcasing the work you put in in practice. So practice is really where all the development um, occurs. And yeah, that's, so uh, I think me and, and Ahmad, especially cause like we, I always worked against him. We, we would play against each other um, to the boundary, like me and him just always just, you know, work together. And I think we both made each other better. I like to think. Good. Put you on the spot here, Alec. You, you, you just mentioned you go against Sauce Gardner a lot of practice. You've also gone against Stephon Gilmore, the Colts' number one corner a lot in training camp so far. <laughs> I know it's been early. Who's been the tougher uh, – who's given you more problems so far? Is it Gilmore or is it Sauce? Um, you know, they're very different corners. Um, I, I'd say probably Gilmore more so because it's like – a lot of times when, when he's guarding you, there's like nothing you can do. You know, you, you, you go and you run your route and, like, he's running it for you. He's basically he, – he knows. He's just so smart. So, like, going out there and going against him, um, like, a lot of times he's just kind of – he's playing off coverage because we play a lot of zone. Uh, and he's just able to kind of read, like, the other routes, read the quarterback's drop and all that stuff. And, and like, he'll – he knows I have, like, an in-cut and he'll be he'll be kind of just, like, five yards inside and then breaking on it before I even start breaking on it. So, it's like, oh, you know, I don't even know what to do at this point. You know? Put your hands up. What the hell am I supposed to do here, Coach? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, now he's a super smart player, uh, you know, a guy – with tremendous amount of talent and you know hopefully someday be a hall of famer i think so he's living up to the gilly lock nickname huh yeah no for sure alec um you guys played against alabama in the cultural playoff going back i'm curious because from a national perspective right cincinnati especially in the aac there is always this this knock about the competition and who is cincinnati truly playing did you see going back to that game against alabama a true difference in talent level from what you guys played in the regular season compared to that game against Alabama? Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think they, especially on the interior, you know, they, they have a little bit different uh, – they get a little bit different type of players. You see they get guys uh, – like a million guys drafted out of there every year. Um, I thought, you know, playing against them 
like really when you're in the trenches, the O-line, D-line, linebackers, like there's just kind of a, a, a difference. Like they're just, you know, there's not a whole lot of guys, you know, recruits wise, when you're getting those five-star O-linemen, like there's just not a lot of whole lot, whole lot of guys in high school that are six, five, 300 pounds and like good athletes. So it's pretty, it's, I feel like it's pretty easy to recruit like a, like a, a guy like that, like a big, strong guy like that. But then like kind of on the outside, you know, you can find guys that may be a little bit less recruited and then develop them because they have the, the skills. But, uh, you know, a lot of times on the, on the, on the inside, it's like, it's all about size and, and strength and all that. And I feel like, you know, you can kind of like Alabama, uh, Georgia teams like that, they get a lot of those like big time players, like up in the trenches. On the outside, right, as a receiver for you, was there a noticeable difference or did it help your adjustment to the NFL playing against Alabama in that game? I know it's just one game, but whether it's size, whether it's scheme, physicality, is there anything that you kind of learned from that game specifically that you've been able to use kind of help you get better uh, at Colts training camp? Um, I don't think, you know, necessarily the, the their defensive backs, like it wasn't it wasn't like the biggest, like not even probably for the whole season, it probably wasn't even the biggest challenge we had at for a receiver room. But I definitely learned, you know, might've got a little bit of a taste of like, you know, how it might be sometimes in the NFL where you just got to get open early. Like you can't, you can't take your time. Cause we, we were kind of, you know, they were, they were bringing pressure and they were, they were getting at the quarterback. So we had to be able to kind of try and get open early and, and, and do some quicker throws and stuff like that. And that was a little different from what we did all year. So you're the Colts' first draft pick, taking the second round, 53rd overall. Mm-hmm. It was a very, very heavy wide receiver class. There's 11 wide receivers taken before you in the 2022 draft. Is that a motivating factor for you at all? Um, not necessarily, honestly. Like, I mean, I just like I just like to focus on myself, and and you know, like, like I said, like those those, those players, you know, out of those 11 players, they might be only like one or two guys that really kind of compare to me. So like. I, you know, it, it, it might just be scheme. It might be fit. Like why, why another team wanted to pick a different player uh, instead of me. So, you know, I don't, I don't really use that as motivation, honestly. Um, I just am motivated to be like great by myself um, and just, you know, be the best I can be. And I don't worry about, you know, what this guy's doing or what that guy's doing. Cause they were picked ahead of me or whatnot. Season Oprah Alec, just about a week or so away down in Houston. But going back to the first preseason game in Buffalo a few weeks ago, your first true taste of you know what an NFL game day experience is like, putting on the uniform for the first time in, in a real capacity. What was your emotions kind of getting ready before the game, being an NFL sideline, and did it kind of sink in like, wow, I, I've made it? Yeah, no, it was, definitely, it was definitely a super cool experience, you know, running out the tunnel, uh, like having the national anthem, all that, you know. So stuff you just, I grew up watching on TV, and now I'm, like, finally there. Um, so, you know, I just want to make the most of this experience um, and just, you know, have a great have a great career. Now, looking forward, Alec, to uh, the regular season, is there, for goals-wise, is there, a no, like, are you motivated by numbers? you have a certain number of catches you hope to attain or yards or touchdowns? Like, what, it would, what would be success for you in year number one? Uh, just going out there and making the plays when the team calls on me, you know, I want to. I want to kind of establish myself as, as somebody the team can trust, um, somebody that can, you know, is there like when they need a play to be made that can make, they can make a play. They throw the ball my way. I'm going to make the play. Um, you know, so I just want to establish that, you know, confidence with the team and confidence with the quarterbacks. And where's that connection been with like Matt Ryan so far? It's been good. You know, he, he's definitely been working on me. I know early on in camp, um, you know, I think, I think that's exactly what camp is for. Like, you know, you come in, 
And like we might have been on, on different pages a few times on, on things, but you know, we work it out. He lets me know how he wants the route run. And then I make the you come back the next day, you make the change and it's it's better than and then you you end up making a play on that. So I think they, I think I'm I'm building trust uh, with him and that's good. The cold social media team a few weeks ago put out a clip of Matt Ryan and talked with a lot of receivers, you, Michael Pittman, just Harris Campbell. It seems like he's a, a coach on the field, like almost like a general for the offense. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it, general. I like that. <laughs> Finally, Alec here. What is the Colts fans like? Like, how has their embrace kind of impacted you? What's it been like now? First few months in Indy, like we're right uh, right away from the season. You know, a week away. You've had two uh, home games as well, Lucas Oil Stadium. What's kind of been the Colts reception? How have the Colts fans kind of uh, welcomed you to the city so far? Uh, the, the reception's been great. You know, I can tell like just being here for a few months that they love their football here. They love the Colts. Uh, they got a passionate fan base. Um, so, you know, it, it's awesome. I, I love it so far. Um, and everything I can tell, you know, they, they get behind their, their football team here, the, the Colts, um, and, and their sports here. So I love it. Well, Alec, we wish you the best of luck this season. Week number one right around the corner. I'm sure you're excited. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. We thank Alec for joining us. Make sure you're always subscribing and downloading to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. One thing, George, I found very fascinating that Alec said later uh, later on in the interview, I think it's going to really be a big key and a big discussion point all season long, was asking him about what his goals are for this season, right? Is it like a target number? Do you want to get like 50 catches, hundred, you know, 500 yards? And he said he wants to be a guy that is relied upon in the offense, where if it's a third down, you can look to him and say, hey, I can count on Alec Pierce to make a play. That is really the theme and the biggest question, right, when it comes to this offense, especially the wide receiver position. Who can you count on? Who can you rely on? You really hope Alec having that mindset, he can develop into that. If so, that's going to be a huge, huge boost to this Colts offense. As you know, later on in the season, the game is going to get more important, and those third, fourth downs are going to become ever critical and ever crucial. Yeah, I think that's the biggest question on this team, right? I mean, after Michael Pittman, who's going to make a play? Who do you feel comfortable with in the red zone? Who do you feel comfortable with, like you said, on third and in an intermediate length? You know what I mean? Uh, there's anybody that's done it. You don't have Jack Doyle around. You don't have T.Y. Hilton around. You don't have guys in the past that kind of had that resume. And so for a rookie to stand up and say, I'll, I'll take that on my shoulders, I think is important. You know, it, it, at least it, it gives you an insight into his his mindset. He's been that way really since he got here. You know, he, he's, he's an interesting mix of being humble you know, he's not out there saying, I'm, I'm going to be rookie of the year. I'm going to be in the Pro Bowl. Uh, but at the same time, kind of understanding, hey, he's an important link to this team. They need Alec Pierce to have a consistent season for this offense to get where it wants to be. Absolutely. And too, you look, you go back to last year, one of the faults for this team is that lack of a second receiver ever really developing, right? Anytime it was a third down, you knew Carson Wentz was looking one way. It was Michael Pittman Jr., Michael Pittman Jr., and then only for the most part, Michael Pittman Jr. from the receiver perspective, right? Because there's really no second guy. And even though T.Y. Hilton was out there, especially last year, he's kind of a shell of himself, you know, struggled to get on the field. So this has been an issue for the Colts now for the last few years of getting a second reliable receiver. You were hoping Paris Campbell was going to develop into that. That has not worked so far, and Parker has been able to stay on the field. You're right. I love Alec Pierce having that mindset. And it's even more impressive for him, too, because it's not like he was on this Colts team last year and knew, hey, this is a big weakness. This is something that I saw that I want to kind of fill the void. This isn't coming as a rookie and saying, look, I'm right here. I'm ready to contribute. I'm ready to take on the responsibility of being a big-time receiver. And part of the responsibility of being a big-time receiver is winning one-on-one battles 
And now if he, if he succeeds early on, you're going to get more matchups that are going to be tougher. You know, defense is going to start scheming and game planning for Alec. I like, like you said, it's, it's the confidence that he can take on the role, but it's also the motivation of being, I want to fill this. This is what the team needs. I'm ready to go out here and, and truly kind of, you know, show you what I got. Yeah, I just think I'd like to see that because that's the first question you always have with rookies is, you know, how how hungry are they to compete? They all want to come in and succeed, but how hungry are they to put the work in? You know what I mean? To go out there and and do the things it takes to get that success. And I don't think there's any question about that with Ali Pierce. And the other thing too, George, is like it's easy to say, oh yeah, I want to get a thousand yards in my first year. Oh yeah, I want to get like 75 catches. But also part of like those goals, not knocking them per se, but also part of it is timing, right? Like you can have a hundred yards in the first half, but if this game's tied 31, 31 and it's third and five, you know, and you don't make a play, well, I don't care that you had 120 yards in the first half. It's like, that's, you know, that's where, you know, you really got to show your worth and really need to uh, step up and improve. So you can get to those benchmarks of whatever yards and touchdowns and catches you want to set. If you're a rookie kind of saying, that's my goal, but also too, it, it's also how you get there. Right. A lot of people, it's funny being in the national, the national media, as I am at CBS sports radio here, a lot of the talk about Carson Wentz, right? If there are people optimistic on the commanders is, well, look at Carson Wentz last year, 27 touchdowns, seven picks. That's a great ratio. Like he'll be fine. But it's also too, when do those touchdowns come? As we know, a lot of them came in the first half. A lot of the times outside really the 49ers game and outside of the Cardinals game, the Colts needed a big drive late in the game. The Colts needed to answer a big scoring drive from another team. They weren't getting it. And the the one or two times they did, it was on the back of Jonathan Taylor. Now, this is, you know, an opportunity where, again, Pierce kind of talking about, I wouldn't be the guy relied upon. It's almost that mindset that the Colts need this year because the numbers are going to be relevant. It's can you win those one-on-one battles? We've seen this team in close games recently in the last year or two fail to come through on the other side. That's going to be huge now as you get to the third and fourth quarter of these games, and especially now the third and fourth quarter of the season. Guys got to be making plays, stepping up in the big moments. Yeah, again, to me, the biggest number from last year is two and five and one score games. I mean, you finish nine and eight and you're one game out of the playoffs and you were two and five and one score games. And it goes back to exactly what you were talking about. Those moments in the in the fourth quarter where you need a drive and you don't get it done, you know, or or there's an interception or something catastrophic right. happens, you know, and, and, and takes you out of the game. So um, it's not one guy. Obviously, it's, it's not one player that's going to change that. Uh, Alec Pierce can't do it alone. But having a guy like that and having a mindset like that, you know, maybe it wears off on some of the other guys in the, on the offense too. I mean, if you see the rookie going out there and working like that, it's hard as a veteran not to match that. Uh, you're not going to stick around very long if you don't. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Especially with so many Colts outside of Michael Pittman Jr. on kind of the same playing field in terms of inexperience, not a lot of production, not a lot of impact, right? It's hard not to be motivated if that's his attitude and he's coming in saying, look, I want to be the guy third down. You can look my way and trust me that I'm going to make a play in order to keep the chains moving and keep our team in position to win. That's for sure. So wide receiver, George, obviously is going to be a big question all year round. Now that we have the rosters finalized after cut day has come and gone on Tuesday, we gave our reaction to not only the moves that were made, but also some of the players that were lost as well. But now for the most part, changes can be made. But for the most part, we have an identity and idea of who is going to be on the Colts this season. When you look around the roster, if we talk about strength of this team, what position group do you kind of look at and say, oh, yeah, this is going to be one of the best units for the Colts this year, hands down? The linebackers. You know, I just feel like there's so much depth there. We talked about a little bit earlier. You know, if Leonard really is 
this like supersized version of himself that I don't even know what that looks like. Okereke is in a contract year. You figure he's going to be highly motivated, have a big year. Zaire Franklin's a guy that's become very dependable. I think you know what you're getting from him. Uh, you know, and he's another leader in, in that room. But then you've got depth there with EJ Speed. Uh, they kept JoJo Doman, who I think is is got a lot of special teams utility. But I think he can come out and do a lot of the same things that Zaire Franklin does for this defense as well. So uh, I just feel like it's it's one of the deeper areas on on the team, and you're going to see it early because I don't think you know I never want to bet against Shaquille Leonard. He'll definitely prove us wrong again and again. But I don't think he's going to be out there week one. And if he's not, you're going to see some of that depth. And, and I think it's an area where they're they're okay with that. Absolutely right. That's that's We've talked about the, the depth concerns and issues on this Colts team. Right, linebacker is not one where you're really worrying. And that's also part of the reason why we are both on the same page when it comes to take your time with Shaq Leonard because they do have Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed who can come in and have, have produced and made plays in the absence of Shaquille Leonard like we saw last year in Arizona on Christmas Day when he missed the game of COVID. You could still come in there and feel good about them producing and not having a massive drop-off at the position. I'll go back one further here. I like the secondary a lot this year. You have three really good safeties in Rodney McLeod, Julian Blackman. Maybe we'll say Nick Cross is not a really good safety. That's unfair when he hasn't played a game yet. But at least in training camp, he has shown you some really impressive strides and shown you what a freak athlete this kind of guy is and why the Colts fell love them out of Maryland. You look, obviously, Kenny Moore is a stud on the inside. You have Stephon Gilmore, who you heard Alec Pierce talking about before, how Stephon Gilmore has really given him trouble all throughout training camp because he's just so smart and, and reads routes and kind of knows concepts really well. Isaiah Rogers, I like. Brandon Faison, I like. The depth maybe on, on the corner, on the outside corner, is a little questionable. But overall, secondary-wise, between safety and, and corner, they have a lot of depth there, George, where you add that with the linebackers. That back seven for Indy is really strong and going to be a, a real focal point defensively, I think, in a, especially in a pass-happy league with some of the quarterbacks they're playing this year. It's going to be a real strength for this team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing about the secondary is not just depth. You've got a nice mix of veterans and, and younger guys. And you've got a Kenny Moore and a Stephon Gilmore who've been around. Even Isaiah Rogers Sr. has some time under his belt now. Uh, and then you've got guys like Nick Cross, you know, who are rookies. And, and Backman's an interesting guy in that mix because when he's been out there, he's been very good. And I think his ceiling is is a Pro Bowl. I think he's got that. That's one of the realistic outcomes for him if he has a healthy season. But we haven't seen very much of him. And so from an experience standpoint, he's only got about one year under his belt, probably missed about half of, of you know, each uh, and he, he played most of his rookie year, but he missed that whole offseason. So I'm right. not sure how that worked for him. And then last year he went out in like week six. So he's an interesting guy to me because he's kind of in between those two spots. But I think that's that's how you want it, where you've got that nice blend. You've got the young guys who are up and coming, but you've got those veterans who have kind of proven themselves. The second there's the one spot on the team where I feel like you really, really see that. On the other side of the ball, I want to get your thoughts on this, George. If we say, if I ask you what the strength of the offense is, I would say quarterback. And I say quarterback because I think this year the Colts are going to be a team that is pass first to set up the run. Like last year, it was run first to set up the pass. You know, Jonathan Taylor, the best year of running back, you know, he was number five in terms of the uh, top 100 and voted on by NFL players, all pro. He was tremendous. Right? There's not enough accolades to give to Jonathan Taylor. But you look now, you think going into this year, teams around the league will be focusing and keying on stopping Jonathan Taylor after that huge year number two. Now that should, especially on early downs, like first and second down, 
really allow Matt Ryan to have favorable passing situations where now if you're going to put eight guys in the box, a little play action on first down should leave that defense susceptible to some big plays, even with questions at receiver and tight end. They should get more favorable matchups because Jonathan Taylor is going to be a guy everyone's circling first. And Matt Ryan's a guy that can make the laps and make the plays in order to keep the offense going. And who knows, maybe one broken tackle on a underneath pass can turn into a 60-yard gain and change the, you know, the whole outcome of the drive. I think this is going to be a year where you're really going to rely on the quarterback, especially to kind of open up the run game, whereas last year you really kind of saw the run game open up the pass. So I'm curious your thoughts because I think Jonathan Taylor is the best offensive player on this team, without a doubt. But I'm curious your thoughts about that theory. Do you see this kind of being a, a pass-first uh, kind of offense, and would you say the strength would be, you know, at the quarterback position? I, I think the strength is definitely at the quarterback position. I think it's the deepest spot too. I mean, uh, you've got a Super Bowl MVP backing up your your starter. Not many people have that, you know, can 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 point to that. And obviously, Foles has has not had the same kind of career after he left Philadelphia as he did there. But he's got Frank Reich, who was there for that Philadelphia run with him now. So I think that position is really going to be the biggest change on offense, and I think that's that's the most important thing. You mentioned earlier 27 and seven, you know, that's a number that gets thrown around a lot for Carson Wentz last year. The one that sticks out more to me is they were 26th in passing in, in the NFL. I mean, there's not much lower you can go than that. So you get your, they've got to be moving up. If, if it moves down, there's, there's going to be new people here. There's going to be jobs yeah, that are lost. That is so, very true. I mean, it's, you figure it's going to improve and they were incredibly unbalanced. You had the second best running offense in the NFL last year and a 26th passing game, that's not going to work. You can't do that, you know? And that's why I think absolutely what you said. I don't know if I go so far to say they'll be passed first, but I think they're going to be passed a lot more often than they were a year ago. Uh, I still think they want to establish the run. They still, Jonathan Taylor's obviously going to be a huge part of this. As you 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 had said that, and that was part of, of, of your point too. You know, Jonathan Taylor's still going to be the best player on this offense. Right. He's still going to be featured. You know, it's not like they're going to go away from him. But I think one of the concerns people have legitimately is what are they going to do to kind of limit his the wear and tear on him just because it adds, you know, it gets everybody eventually. It finally got even uh, last year, finally got the Titans running back whose name yeah, is Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Henry. You know, it, everybody falls victim to that sooner or later. I think the way you do that is through what you're talking about being a more efficient passing offense, not being 26th in the league when you throw the ball, that's got to change. More than anything else on this this team, that has to change. Could not agree more. Like I said, it was it, it was hard to watch at times, anytime, because you knew, especially late in the fourth quarter, defenses would be loading the box. Sometimes it works against, again, teams like the Patriots where he breaks up the big run. But other times, you're right, it's you need the passing game in this NFL to be efficient and whether it was Frank Reich losing confidence in Carson Wentz at the end, Carson Wentz just losing confidence in himself, that passing offense really did collapse in the second half of the season, but also, too, in the second half of games consistently. Good first half, we saw against Tennessee, against Tampa Bay. Then we needed a big throw late. All of a sudden, nowhere to be found. So, like I said, we, we've talked about Alec Pierce wanting to step up and be relied upon. Also, to that, that comes with the quarterback of being in a position to capitalize when defenses inevitably sell out in order to kind of slow down Jonathan Taylor, the best running back in the NFL heading into 2022. That's for sure. How about a, we won't say weakness, how about a concern heading into uh, this regular season? What position group? Um, you can even get specific, you know, if it's interior linemen, interior defensive linemen, maybe one specific receiver position. Where's there the biggest weakness as you concern with this Colts roster heading into 2022? 
I think the thing that, that stands out to me the most is the depth on the offensive line. I mean, Dennis Kelly's back, which is good, but he's still not practicing. You know, he he hasn't practiced since like the second day, first or second day of training camp. So he's another guy that we're not talking about him as much as Shaquille Leonard, but you really don't know when he's going to get out there. And without him, the other four backup linemen have 22 career snaps total. It's all Will Fries. It's mostly from the Arizona game last year. That to me, look, I know Chris Ballard said, hey, we like these guys. Young guys don't become vets until they play. I understand that kind of thing. But that to me, for a team that's all in, a team that, that, that wants to be a playoff contender, that wants to make noise in a really heavy AFC this year, that's a really concerning thing in, in my mind. I'm going to stick in the trenches, go on the other side of the ball, though. Look, obviously, Unique Ngakwe is a, is a stud coming on in. Right, You have DeForest Buckner, one of the best players at his position, Grover Stewart, him, and those two at the middle are a tremendous tag team. But the reason why I look at the defensive line and I do feel concerned heading into 2022 is kind of twofold. Number one, we know the importance of getting after the quarterback now in the NFL. There's a reason why it, when it comes to getting paid position-wise, it's quarterback and then it's defensive end. Right, Guys that can get after the quarterback, get him down to the ground, that's the best way to kind of slow down offenses. And for the Colts last year, they struggled mightily in that category, in getting, you know, quarterbacks down to the ground. And while they have the players, at least on the starting front, there are also, to me, a lot of questions about um, if they can truly kind of play up to their level. Ben Banigou, question mark. Dio Adangbo, like, you know, Chris Bauer really liked him coming out and missed half the year last year. Now, can he develop? Tyquan Lewis is shown flashes when he's been healthy, but that's always been a problem. He's had been able to stay on the field on a consistent, you know, basis. Quiddy paid a nice, you know, a strong finish to his rookie year. Now, can he build on top of that? There, there's a lot of potential and raw talent in this unit outside of just, you know, Ngakwe and DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. But I kind of, I want to see that potential go into actually existence and actually come out on the field. Cause especially at that position, I feel like George, there's always been a lot of potential. The Colts have always been high and drafting a ton of defensive ends, even before the Chris Ballard era started, but they have not panned out. You know, they've oh, preached patience and just get to the point where these guys can't play anymore. It's a very important position. There's a lot of potential there, but because we, they're either young or, or been injured, we haven't seen a lot of that potential outside of, again, a few of the main guys, I, that's an area I do look at. And also, too, not just potential. Can they actually come through with it? But also, you look at the schedule. I, we can harp on the schedule a lot. They play a lot of damn good quarterbacks. They play the AFC West, which is loaded with four good quarterbacks. That's going to be one of the ways to slow down this team. You look, we just harped on, right, or, or discussed the back seven, linebacker secondary, is really good. We, we think could be, you know, the, the two best units on this team, especially defensively. Well, even those great units can cover receivers for eight seconds if there's no pressure on the quarterback. You know, it, their success, in a way, does depend on the front four getting pressure. And for me, the, the names are there. Just can we see the, the production finally come through? That's something I'm looking at. I'm not ready to say it's there. I got to see it first before I believe it. I think it make a really good comparison between the defensive end situation and the wide receiver situation. It's, it's very similar. You put in Gawkway in that Michael Pittman role. He's the one guy who's gone out and done it. You can find some comparisons. Pay's not a rookie, but there's definitely comparisons there between him and Alec Pierce. Mm-hmm. You see some potential there. You see the, the physical skills, but you need to get it done out there on the field. You know, it's, I think there's a lot of, 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 of similarities there. Tyquan Lewis, you know, injured a lot. Started to really have a breakout year. It looked like last year, and he tears his knee on an interception return. You know, there's a lot of guys in there who you feel like could be good, could come out and do it, but you don't have very many 
outside of Ngakwe who have done it. And I think that that's absolutely a concern in this league. That's the most important thing. And you really go back to last year's defense. I think they got a bad rap in some ways. They were a better defense than they were given credit for a lot. But where was the weakness when they, when they had breakdowns, why did it happen? The defensive end spot, they weren't able to get that pressure on the quarterback late in games. And, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier about stats. You can have all these turnovers. I think they had 33 of them. You can be one of the best in the league at that. You can be top 10 in scoring. You can be top 10 in yards. I think they might've been the only team uh, who did that last year uh, on both offense and defense. But if you can't, at the end of the game, if teams are going back and, and, and throwing the ball at will on you and, and erasing deficits, none of the rest of that matters. And you've got to have that closer, I guess, is what you're looking for on this team. You've got to have, and it can't just be one because it doesn't work that way in the NFL. You've got to have a couple guys, you know, three, four guys who can come out there and you feel like it's third and long and you got to get off the field and they're going to get it done for you. Right, you need this year Gilmore to be a closer. You're going to need Ngakwe to be a closer. Quiddy Pay to be a closer. Matt Ryan to be a closer. You know, Michael Pittman, we know, can do it. Can anyone else be a closer outside him? You're right. That that word is going to be key this year. That might be the, the, the word and the definition that will define this Colts season. Can they close? You're right. They can light up the scoreboard. They can light up the box score all they want in the first half and the first three quarters. A big, you know... Um, reason for their lack of success, missing the playoffs and kind of crumbling the way they did was you go back to all their losses. A common theme was right. Not closing the door, the Ravens game, the Raiders game, the Buccaneers game, the Titans game, like, like almost every loss is them having a lead in the first half, having a lead in the second half and not finishing the job, not making that one play on either offense or defense to put the game away. Close. That is the definition. I like that, George, of the 2022 season. Who will be the closers? Who will not be? You hope on paper, looks like they've done a good job. Chris Ballard has and Frank Reich has uh, of bringing some closers in that should, you know, make those game changing plays to go in the Colts favor this year compared to last year. But we all know the hype has been there before. The excitement has been there before, but we got to see it on the field. We are getting closer, George, just about a week away from week one in Houston. Speaking of closing, can we put a close on this drought for the Colts and, and being since 2013, not winning a, an opener? It's going to be a great test to start. That is for sure in terms of closing out one of those streaks. As always, make sure you're liking and subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. In the meantime, though, make sure you're following George on Twitter at GM Bremer. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. The next time you'll be listening to this podcast, folks, guess what? It's going to be game week. We got an opponent to look at. We got some, you know, some positional breakdowns to look at and actually some projections on how the Colts will be in 2022. So make sure you stay tuned. We'll bring it back and get you ready for the 2022 season when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns.